the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. This is great May and, and April weather we're having here. I could get used to this global warming. All right. A couple good things to think about today. The will to conquer is the first condition of victory. That was Falk, the French marshal. If you are alive, there is a purpose for your life. And that ain't that the truth. Hey, uh, you know, we, we talk about my show all the time, and, and uh, I'm, I mean, on my show all the time about my webpage. It's quite easy. If you're listening to WHK 1420, you just go to their webpage, go, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show, goes directly to my webpage. And uh, there's all sorts of good stuff. You know, we've been talking about, uh, you know, our, our dividend growth portfolio, which is just a great idea for the long term. I mean, if you're 40, I think that's a layup. Uh, you know, you get growth, you get dividends to protect you. Uh, look, you'll go through some up and down markets. That's, that's granted. And by the way, if you listen to the show, we'll probably t- tell you what those are or when those are. Um, anyway, we also have our top ideas and our prime income list for you people who are retired. That's almost a 4% yield, a little over 4% yield. So, uh, remember dividends are taxed at 18% or 15% actually with a 3% Obamacare tax. I don't know if that's still around, uh, versus, you know, you're getting taxed at regular income for a CD or a bond. So uh, also you can sign up for our newsletter. We're talking about socially responsible investing, aligning your money with your values. Uh, hindsight is 2020. You know, what will you do different next year? And a key, there's a lot of new key retirement numbers. So that, that's something to take a look at. Uh, also, uh, we have our global insight. And uh, I think that's our, uh, you know, that's our 2020 investment stance. And boy, we were really right. Um, in a big way last year. And then uh, the Credit Savvy, uh, Credit Investors, uh, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Believe me, I, I think more and more people are taking a fresh look at credit. And, you know, you got to know how to evaluate your credit needs. You got to know how to manage your credit. You got to use your credit strategically and you got to understand your cash flow. And if you don't do that, you, it can't help you at all. We also have our Global Income Best Ideas, which uh, is a great piece too. So, uh, look, you know, I mentioned two weeks ago, and I'll just talk about this again. The bullish percent for small caps went positive this week. And remember, um, you know, small caps, you know, we, we have what we call uh, the Santa Claus rally. And, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, these next couple of days, you'll see the last of the tax loss selling. And then you'll see when there is no more, these things will start to pop. Okay. Um, and you know, if you look at the Santa Claus rally back in 08, we had a huge one. Uh, I mean, it was a 7% rally back in 12. We had a 2% rally. And back in 18, we had a one and a half percent rally. So uh, I think 11, we had a 2% rally too. So if you look, uh, if you look at Christmas Eve, uh, generally that places the top of the calendar year range. And, uh, you know, however, we are we we know from December twenty fourth. There's always exception to trends. We saw, you know, a couple times where, like last year, things got uh, got beat up. But just remember, uh, you know, we are looking at the Santa Claus rally and the January effect. It's a one two one two uh, pitch there. Okay, now look, I talked about the S and P five hundred uh, default chart uh, being extended. And it's now more extended, okay? So it's up like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more X's from where I just talked about it last week. So, uh, you know, be careful. Now, one thing I want to mention is that we're now talking about uh, our show being at 1 o'clock, okay? And I wanted to do it right in the middle of a segment just simply so because make sure you're listening. 
So from now on, our show is on at 1 o'clock, 1 to 2 on Saturdays. Uh, we may even start doing it live again. Who knows? But, uh, you know, 1 o'clock is our show, all right? So we're going to change that on our webpage uh, Monday. So uh, be be prepared. Now, somebody asked me, Tim, you know, uh, what is a rules-based approach? And look, if you look at long-term perspective of the Dow Jones Industrial since 1896, it reveals that the the reality that there are extended periods of time in which the U.S. equity market will generally trend upwards, also known as a structural bull market. There will also be times when they generally trend down downwards, okay? And uh, there have been eight alternating cycles since 1896. So, you know, you got to understand that going in. So dynamic asset, you know, so what we do is we look at those cycles, and then we look at dynamic asset level investing. All that is is a relative strength uh, scenario that, rates the investment vehicles as, you know, what's best, what's worse. You know, domestic equities are number one now. Back in 2007, 2008, they were the the low uh, class citizen, okay? So, um, you know, right now there's a tie between, you know, there's a, a fight between second place between fixed income and commodities. Fixed income is actually selling off, which we told you, you know, when yields are down as low as they were, you don't want them, to, you don't want to be buying things then. You want to be selling them, okay? So the benefit of using uh, dynamic asset level investing is, is it's our guide it enables us to have a, a scalable process that is capable of changing with uh, you know the key trends. So um, look, domestic equities uh, in the seven, in the nineties had seventy percent of the vote um, in in the um, in the two thousands they had four, and two thousand ten to two thousand nineteen they've had eighty nine percent. So international equities in 2000s had 51% of the vote. So uh, that, that's pretty big. And, um, you know, look, I, I think you got to understand that. So what it does is allows us to look at the world and say, uh, look at the investment world and say, okay, what has the most votes? That's where we should concentrate. Right now it's domestic equities with international equities creeping up a little bit. By the way, I said last week, you know, maybe you start to look overseas. I I was hoping we'd correct this week uh, overseas, but we haven't. Um, but look, if you look at the big picture concept, if you buy after signs of strength have been established and then you sell after signs of weakness, uh, you know, and you continue to do that, you're in pretty good shape. Now, it never gets you out at the top. Nobody gets out at the top that I know of. Uh, you know, Bernard Baruch was asked how he made so much money. He said, well, I get in too early and I get out too early. And he was the first billionaire from the, the stock market, and uh, that was when billionaires were tough to do. So I think if I was looking at your portfolio, I, I what I do is I define the inventory, then I do a relative strength analysis, and then I rank each asset class uh, to see which what you have. And then I I, uh, I take a look at what your objective is, you know, um, and then I have a tactical tilt. So I establish some boundaries. I uh, I incorporate some tactical guidance, and then I select the investment strategies, okay? So um, performance and expectations go hand in hand. So if your expectations are, you know, I had people that came in after the uh, uh, 07, 08 fiasco, and they said, I don't want to lose any money. And then they, they got, got kind of ticked off because I wasn't making gobs of money. Well, I, my job was not to lose any money. So they're making 5 6%, uh, which is what you're supposed to be doing, okay? So there we go. Now, uh, one of the things I've been talking about is growth versus value, and growth continues to uh, uh, beat value. It looks like everybody went back into the big growth stocks in the last month. Now, value is starting to really pick up well, and it's it's gone above three, which is very positive. Uh, but I think the key is is that growth is still way above it. Now, it'll be interesting to see with the S&P 500 as overvalued as or not overbought, they said, not overvalued, overbought as it is, to see if it pulls back what happens to the growth stocks, okay? Now, I've talked about this, uh, our global best energy ideas, and, you know, I read an article uh, from Peter Lynch, or, or they interviewed Peter Lynch, and um, he talked about the oils being under-owned equities uh, with a compelling investment opportunity, uh, and that was Peter Lynch, okay? So the, the valuation multiples of all, all the oil stocks are at extremely low historical levels and there's significant room for investors to increase their positions to the sector. So that, you know, 
You might want to uh, send in for our global best energy ideas. It might be a, a perfect timing for it. Now, look, I, I talked about the S&P 500 being at the top of our 10-week trading band, and I think you got to understand that. Now, the small caps are not. The mid caps are about 20% overbought. But the QQQs, which is the NASDAQ composite, and the S&P 500, and the and the Dow Jones are at the top of their trend lines, and they're they're quite overbought. They're you know at five or six on the list. So what I thought was interesting is one of the groups that made the biggest advance was the small cap value stocks. So it'll be interesting to see if they hold that. Um, you know, uh, I'd also say healthcare and biotech. By the way, were the two gr- groups that made the biggest advance during the period of time. So uh, there we go. But if you look at the S&P 500, 600 value ETF for small cap, that really broke out. It broke a double top, then broke a, a, a quadruple top. So that's really uh, that's really positive. And uh, so I think, you know, we may go, we may be going into a time where small cap outperforms large cap. And people don't understand that that's the why you have a active manager versus an index. So they can make those determinations for you and, and work accordingly. Uh, now, I did say last week that the, the bond, the ETF, the AGG, which is the aggregate U.S. core bond, uh, broke a double bottom and commodities broke a double top and will break a triple top uh, very shortly if it, if it continues along this way. So, um, you know, I, I think things are getting kind of interesting. And uh, here's some situations I would start to recommend. You have two days left. Number one, the dogs of a Dow. It's the five or 10 highest-yielding Dow stocks. I always use five. They, they had a great return last year, up about 38%. Uh, and then in the last two days, tax harvest. Take a look at your situation. Are you? Do you have capital gains? A lot of people have capital gains this year. I mean, I've talked to some people who have you know, $120,000, $130,000 with capital gains. I'm pretty sure they don't want to pay uh, taxes on those. Some other things you could do is start to look at five attribute stocks, you know, uh, that have really good, you know, scenarios going for them and and use them. So don't forget, small caps have been, you know, have broken out. Financials came in third place to technology and industrials in dynamic asset level investing. Utilities fell out of favor. Okay, but we do have the January effect coming. So I I uh, I think that's interesting. Now, for the last two weeks, I've been talking about copper and and uh, also um uh, lumber. And I just noticed that uh, Stanley Druckenmiller wrote an article and said he's bullish on copper. And Gunlock, Jeffrey Gunlock, who who runs uh, uh, Double Line, says it's time to be ca- cautious on bonds, which we've been saying for a while. <laughs> so he thinks interest rates may pop up and uh, he thinks corporate leverage is, is very big. And he also said the yield-starved European investors are, are getting a little crazy. So... Uh, you know, time to be cautious on bonds. Remember, buy yield when it's up, not when it's down like this. Hey, uh, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And once again, um, by, by the way, if, if you want to sit down and talk about your portfolio, hey, we're getting into a new year here, okay? Let's do a review. Let's sit down and talk about it. We'll talk about, you know, relative strength investing. We'll talk about, uh, take a look at some charts and just see where we are. Because sometimes if you see things, you understand a little bit better. And then let's talk about your wealth plan, okay? Let's set it up. You know, look, the people who get nervous are the people without a plan. Simple as that. All right? So we'll, we'll take it from there. Now, um, we are starting. Come next Saturday, we're gonna. Our show is on at one o'clock, one o'clock, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so uh, one o'clock here on WHK, and I, I, I know we'll look at uh, doing some live shows, of course, of course of the year, etc. Uh, so that'll be changed uh, on my webpage uh, Monday because uh, you got to have a couple days, you know, for our compliance people to look it over. And uh, it'll be changed on WHK. I think they're already talking about it. So uh, there we go. So uh, I had several people call me on gold this week. Uh, looks like it's breaking the 1500 level uh, on the upside. And it is. And I, you know, I, I said, you know, don't get bearish on gold. I mean, when you make a 35% move, you break all the resistance and then you pull back. 
it's usually a good time to buy. And I, I, I told you you should be polishing up on your gold ideas. And uh, sorry, I love that line. <laughs> anyway, the, you know, gold has pulled back and now it's reversed up. And, and I'm starting to see some really interesting things uh, on some gold stocks. Uh, really interesting things. So I think it's, it's um, look, the Fed basically came out and said they're looking for some inflation now. Because they realize that's what, you know, you can't fight inflation if it's not there. And somebody pointed out to Jay Powell that commodity prices are where they were in 1973, okay? Which is a good sign, uh, which is great, by the way, if you're an industrial uh, company. Because your fixed incomes, I mean, your fixed costs are down, your raw materials are down, interest rates are down, and there's hardly been any business spending. Nobody's putting any money in plants and, and equipment. So they're all too confused. They're all too worried. But they're gonna. <laughs> they're gonna. So I think, look, uh, gold prices, you know, they broke out like I said they were going to this summer. Now they've pulled back. Every breakout, there's a pullback. And I think investors should not take this as a bearish sign. Instead, considering buying more, all right, or buying some gold stocks. I think now's the time. So, uh, look, many investors now view stocks as relatively expensive because, uh, the often cited price to earnings ratio is above historical averages. But, you know, look, I, I'm not sure about that viewpoint uh, because it dismisses the low interest rates. You know, look, if, if, there's a, um, if there's an inflation scare and interest rates go up, the P.E. multiples on most of the, the big tech stocks are going down, okay? Because you're willing to pay more for a dollar of earnings when interest rates are down than you are when they're up. Okay, because, you know, interest rates or interest costs cut into the long term uh, uh, growth of the economy. Number one, number two of the company's earnings, because they usually have, uh, uh, you know, some kind of bond out there. So low interest rates may be very impactful to valuations is what I'm saying. So one way to factor in interest rates is to look at the return demanded by investors above the risk fee rate, uh, also known as the risk premium. And the higher the risk premium demanded by investors, the cheaper stocks are. Uh, and we're seeing that right now, by the way. Um, I, I think global equity risk premiums are close to the highest they've been in two decades. And that that's includes the financial crisis, by the way. Uh, so I, I think that indicates that uh, investors are demanding to be compensated very handsomely by the risk that they bear. It's that simple. So uh, I don't know if things are, you know, really – overvalued but look i think we're overdue for a, a bit of a correction and remember corrections can do can happen in two ways it can be a time correction or it can be a price correction you know i've been talking to some people about some very extended stocks and i've talked to them in person so they can actually see the stock and see that the stochastic which is an overbought oversold scenario is very very overbought okay so uh you know i'll leave it at that but Look, usually when you break out to a new high, uh, which we have, and, uh, and and I'm talking about the World Stock Exchange now, okay, usually you have a pullback, and we haven't had that yet. So uh, the, the problem is, is that confidence is breaking out all over, all right? You know, look, technicians follow, uh, closely follow uh, sentiment indicators, um, and generally speaking, this data is used from a contrary aspect. I mean, if everybody's bearish, you should be bullish and vice versa. So uh, <clears throat> an alternative is to not to monitor what people say, but what they're actually doing. All right. So, look, if you look at the two ETFs, the, uh, the S&P high beta and the S&P high quality stocks, um, in the latest sessions, the ratio has violated its 2000-2018-19 downtrend line and the 200-day moving average, suggesting it's, it's headed higher. Uh, so you're, you're starting to see some things that are very positive, but it takes a great deal of confidence. And look, swings in confidence also show up in the bond market in the form of credit spreads. And if you look, uh, a credit spread, by the way, is is you compare the SBX, uh, which is Standard Poor's 100, to the ratio between the, the high-yield corporate bond index and the 7- to 10-year Treasury. And both series have plotted, you know, if, if you use this um, – They've been plotted and using the underscore. And I, I think this is important because, once again, the, if you look at this, the ratio itself has completed a base and broken out above its 
2018-2019 downtrend. It's also clear it's 200-day moving average. So you're starting to see things that people are are, are getting enthusiastic. Now, I think um, some of the IPOs have kind of put a damper uh, put a damper on the growth stocks for a while, and we'll see if that, you know, look, I uh, Beyond Meat spiked 160% on its first day and then went on to greater heights, and now three months later, you know, it's it's down about 70%. So, uh, you know, ePay, which was a, um, is a uh, company that is in the, you know, I talked about buying things, um, you know, that are in the, um, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the online payment type of thing. And uh, this was one of them. And, you know, uh, after it's a new, uh, it's a new issue, it, it went sideways for two years. And then it went crazy on the upside. So, uh, so we're seeing we're seeing a lot of names uh, in the small cap area that are really starting to pull out. It'll be interesting to see how we how we go from here. But look, a lot of people are uh, getting a fear of heights because the rally's uh, fourth quarter rally is is up there, and I, <clears throat> I want you to stay calm. All right, I I think. I think we could correct a little bit or go sideways a little bit into January, but I don't think it's the end of the world. We're just starting the first move in this four-year cycle, which usually lasts two and a half, three years. And I think you got to understand that. So, look, a secular bull market is intact. And with the four-year cycle underpinning, that makes it bullish through 2020, I think. Okay? So I think um, an intermediate-term pause or peak might be likely, likely in the in the first quarter. But it's a pause. It's not the end of the world. So don't get bearish, okay? The, you know, look, software is getting interesting again. Um, the semiconductors look fantastic. And, you know, there's one semiconductor that nobody talks about that hit a new high Friday. Nobody talks about it. The towers are kind of an interesting place because what they do is they give you a dividend yield. Uh, they are REITs, all right? And uh, aerospace has, has been kind of a bummer. Now, if I look at the... The Dow versus the ten-year yield, uh, it looks great. The ten-year yield hit a new low. Um, you know, the Dow hits a new high. So remember, we're willing to pay up when yields are down as low as they are. You're willing to pay up in PE ratios, all right? Which is a price-earnings ratio, which is just the price of the stock divided by the earnings. So if it's a twenty-dollar stock and it makes two dollars a share, PE ratio is ten. All right. Now, if you get the high-growth stocks, remember. And interest rates do, you know, we do have an inflation scare and you're trading at 70 or 80 times earnings or 200 times earnings like some, like, you know, like an Amazon and you miss the E, you got to adjust the P too. Okay. So you got to be careful with stuff like that. All right. So <clears throat> here we are at the beginning of a four year cycle. And I think, you know, you got to understand that, uh, it, it, it is something that, uh, you know, you got to pay attention to. Uh, meaning it's usually a bullish time, all right? So we do have uh, momentum is the monthly momentum continues to build, which is positive. Uh, stocks versus bonds, uh, it definitely looks like bonds are the place. And the advanced decline line continues to hit a new high, so that's all good. And remember, the, Chicago, the Citigroup economic surprise number is is up, but it's not. it's up from where it was a couple months ago when I talked about a melt up, but it's not even close to a new, uh, you know, at a high. And uh, the bearish sentiment versus the bullish sentiment uh, is is way above where it was when I said we we're going to have the uh, the melt up, but it's still far from uh, being overbought. The Russell broke out of a base it's been in, and it'll be interesting to see the old highs is seventeen forty two, and if we broke through there, man, I think the Russell would take off. The only thing lagging is the relative performance, so we need that to happen too. Now on a daily basis, the relative performance is broken out. On a weekly, it has not. Uh, growth versus value. We're kind of in a toss-up on a daily chart. On a weekly chart, we still look good on the growth side. <clears throat> growth came surging back here in the last couple of weeks. And then, um, you know, I I was hoping that the, EE, the EEM and the EF, EETA uh, would pull back a little bit. They did not. I have not been able to buy them where I'd like to. I bought some last spring. Um, and then the bonds. The, the actual bond, okay, which uh, is is making a series of lower highs, if it were to break down from here, I think interest rates would go up a lot, and and we are very, the you know the very oversold uh, in that area. So, um, 
who knows? Uh, you know, we'll take it from there. Uh, the U.S. dollar is, um, like I said, I think it's going to pop a little bit, and then it'll probably head south again. I don't think it's going to be a big bear market. I just think it's it's going to make a, a series of you know lows, uh, and we're not what we're not going to do is you know break out to the north anytime soon. So it's more likely to go down than up, but uh, not by anything you know great in the imagination or anything like that. So uh, Grude's still in that big triangle pat- pattern, and I told you about gold. I think gold is a buy. I think gold stocks are a buy. Uh, I'll probably be buying more of them uh, next week. And then copper, copper looks great, and so doesn't uh, lumber. And the financials and the banks especially look good. The utilities are starting a little weak along with staples. Technology continues to lead, and I think you got to keep that in mind. The software index, which had been down, has turned back up, but the relative performance has started to slip a little bit, so we'll see what happens there. Um, and I think the industrial sector, if you look at the equal weight industrial sector, it's off to the races. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with a bullish percent. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, once again, the Smart Investor Show. And once again, I'll say it again. Uh, starting next week, we'll be on at 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoons. So uh, right after you eat lunch, you have a cup of coffee and uh, listen to us. Or if you're in the car, cruising around uh, doing uh, different stuff, you can remember, if you go to WHK 1420 AM uh, on Tuesday mornings at noon, they repodcast the show. So it'll be available to you. Even if you miss it the first couple of weeks, you'll still be able to get it. So we talk about the bullish percent pretty regularly here on the show. And the bullish percent was designed by Ernie Stabey, uh, who was a disciple of Charles Dow. Back then, they used to do point and figure charts. Um, you know, the box theory, uh, how I made $2 million in the market and all that good stuff. And it was a very, it's a, still being used today. Uh, the guys at Dorsey Wright have made a, a living doing it. They just sold their business to uh, the NASDAQ. Uh, they've been doing it for years, and, and they've done it very successfully. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of people nationwide that do point-and-figure charts. Uh, and it's a very simple process. It, it's X's and O's. Within a, you know, in order to put an X on, you have to break out of a, a range of a couple of things. Then I mean, you put another X on, then you put another X on, and if it breaks down, you put an O on. Okay, So um, the, what Ernie Stabey wanted to do was figure out how to be bullish at the bottom and how to be cautious at the top. And so what he did is he put together the bullish percent, which went from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's when everything's red hot. Uh, things are too hot to handle. You know, you know, bing, bang, bong. You know, things are going crazy. And um, that's when he wanted to be cautious. And, uh, you know, when it got down and everybody was down in the mouth and nobody wanted to even talk about the stock market, he wanted to be bullish. And so that was under 30. That was what they call the green zone. Above 70 is the red zone. And then we have the X's and O's. And when we're in a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. That's where we are now. And then we had a column of O's. We're on the defensive team. And the defensive team, you know, look, you don't want to just do everything on a column of X's and O's. But look, if, if we're in a column of X's and domestic equities are the lowest form of life, they're the last on the relative strength barrier, you want to be a lot more cautious when we go into a column of O's, all right? Right now, domestic equities are the number one asset class in the world. So when you go into a column of O's, what you should be doing is looking for stocks to buy, okay? Uh, anyway, this week, uh, we're in a column of X's. We did go up another uh, three quarters of a point. We're now at 59 and a quarter. So we're getting up there. We're not up there completely, but we're up there. The small caps, uh, we're up a half a point to 50 and a half. 50, uh, 50.2, I'm sorry. So in a great buying position for the small caps. And then the international equities, which we kind of talk, talked about last week, are, are at 47. They were up 0.7%. So we're, those are two good areas where the larger caps might be, you want to, and that's the S&P 500 and NASDAQ, we told you, they're very overbought at this point. So I think, you know, when you look at uh, scenarios where you have the dis- weekly distribution of the S&P 500, only at 26%, but we're overbought doesn't mean you have to jump out a window. Just means the bigger names you want to wait on. 
Okay? The smaller names and the international names you probably want to be buying today. That's what it comes down to. All right? So, you know, once again, I want to talk about that, um, you know, the weekly distribution is only 26. Okay? We're overbought by about 100% now on the S&P 500. So I think, you know, what I've seen is a lot of the people are getting back into the stocks that they got rid of in the fall. And usually that means that they're, they're doing some window dressing. They're making sure everybody sees their portfolio the way they like it. Uh, even though they probably didn't perform as well as, you know, as having Apple in their portfolio. I've got a lot of Apple. I got some clients that don't have it. I got a lot of Apple though. Um, but remember financials came in third place this week and utilities dropped all the way to, uh, actually they dropped to sixth place. Um, and communication services came in fourth. So that's kind of interesting. Healthcare was still, once again, the, the number one leading group. Uh, they, they jumped another five, percent, uh, five points. So they're coming up quickly. I think they're going to pass utilities. I think they're one point from passing utilities. So that'll be interesting. But financials, uh, being in top three is, is, is a big, big move. So remember that. Um, I looked at all the indexes. You know, besides having negative momentum for a couple of weeks, uh, with the exception of the small caps, um, they all look good long term. But they've had negative momentum for a couple of weeks, um, which means we're going up with less and less people usually, okay, which usually means, hey, we're probably going to correct. But if you look, if I look at the weekly overbought, the XLG, which is the large cap uh, stocks, uh, are 100% overbought. The S&P is 100%. QQQs are 98 um, The RSP, which is the S&P 500 equal weight uh, group, is at 89 uh, the Dow's at 80, the IJH and the IJR at 60, so they're not so is overbought. The EEM and the EFA are at 48, so they're, they're still viable. So it's kind of what we talked about uh, on the first half of the show. So, look, weekly distribution is one of the key metrics uh, we track every week on every security. Uh, it, it, it provides some perspective of overbought, oversold. So when you get really overbought and, and your weekly distribution is only at 26, it's not something you want to, you know, jump off a cliff on, okay? So what we're saying is we're overbought, and the overbought scenario will probably be a situation where we have a bit of a correction, make everybody scared, and, and um, you know, I mean, look, from the top to the bottom of this new range we're in is about 8%. It's not the 18% with a bigger range. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. But, you know, the weekly distribution for all stocks is only at like 16, 18%. You know, that normally peaks out around 40, 45. So you got a long way to go <laughs> is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, look, we, we have 17 sectors that are bullish again this week. So that's three weeks in a row. So we've held the move, which is important. Gaming's at 75. Uh, gaming stocks still look good. And I think that's because the China deal, uh, you know, they open up Macau. And that's very positive. At, at 70 uh, is building, machinery, and semiconductors. That's, you know, you still want to wait on these, okay? Uh, remember, 70 is getting hot, too hot to handle. Uh, 65 is steel and uh, electric utilities. Electric utilities, remember, were at 88. They're now slowly but surely fading. Uh, forest and paper products are at 60. There's some really good-looking charts there. Uh, waste management computers and electrical products are at 55. That's a good place to go. And then uh, healthcare, real estate, leisure, and transportation are at 50. Transportation has been getting hit by Federal Express and Boeing. If we take them out of the equation, we're in pretty good shape. Okay, so um, uh, biotech and restaurants are at 45. And bio, biotech, I'm telling you, uh, you know, right before Christmas, the, day, the Monday before Christmas, I had another biotech. It not only went up 100%, went up 200%, and I didn't have enough of it. I mean, we, they got an FDA, from, uh, FDA approval from the feds uh, two week, three weeks early before I could even get a position on. <laughs> so some of this stuff's happening pretty quick. And believe me, you know, one of the things like Rite Aid, Rite Aid made a huge move. I'm not recommending Rite Aid, by the way, made a huge move because almost 60% of the stock was short. You should see how what the short interest is for a lot of biotechs, 25, 40, 50%. So if there's any good news, the shorts are done. They're toast. I mean, they toasted them on Rite Aid. They toasted them on Intercellular. They're going to toast them on a lot more before this is all said and done. Uh, but we still have healthcare, the internet, leisure, media, 
not Maris, uh, metals, non-ferrous, uh, and uh, precious metals are all in bull confirmed status, but they're not in favored sectors. We just talked about the favored sectors now. Um, and I did see oil improve to favored, uh, favored uh, sector. Remember, we have a good report on that. Uh, also, uh, biotechs have moved uh, from average to favored. Uh, that's kind of interesting. You know, I looked at international equities again, and, and they do seem to be, you know, uh, picking up uh, with three or four different countries moving above three uh, in the Dorsey Wright system, which is usually a sign that things are getting better. You know, I mentioned uh, India last week. Where nobody was talking about broke broke its downtrend line, broke a double top. Uh, it, you know, another couple uh, dollars and it would break a, a triple top. Um, it it. It's a 297 right now, uh, but uh, I'm also seeing stuff like Germany, um, Switzerland, France, all, uh, and even a little, almost England. England's almost at 3% too. So those, those, that's a good, you know, when you break over three in the Dorsey Wright system, that's a big positive. Uh, the energy funds um, have not broken their downtrend line, but they are starting to look kind of interesting. So uh, I don't think you want to be. Um, you know, running away from those yet either. You know, that might be a time to buy them. But what what is interesting, and I, I want to emphasize this, is I look at relative strength spreads. And when the relative strength spread is heading up, that's when the high multiple or high uh, relative strength stocks are moving in a big way. Well, what's interesting now, um, and it's it, it, this has worked over the last four years, by the way, the relative strength spread has risen over those three years, reflecting the outperformance of the relative strength leaders versus laggards. However, since August, and I, I want to emphasize this, the spread has declined, reflecting the outperformance of the laggards. So is that the value? Who knows? Uh, but the emerging markets, the, the spread, the R spread has just broken out to a new high. So it is the relative strength leaders in the foreign markets. Um, in the developed markets, the relative strength has been very choppy, all right? So, it, you know, it hasn't been easy to figure out what's going on. But, look, the United Kingdom uh, broke its downtrend line this week. Uh, General Europe did. Uh, France did. Switzerland did. Germany did. So the foreign markets are starting to get interesting. And uh, I think you got to think about that for a while. Because, you know, it, it may be a time if the dollar rallies here, you know, you that's what I'm looking for, a little bit of a dollar rally, and we get a little bit of a sell-off, then I can buy buy some of these things. Um, you know, I bought some last spring, and uh, I mentioned that to everybody, and I think it's a time where you want to pay close attention again because uh, if the dollar gives back a little bit, uh, you know, they could have a good 20, I mean, they had a good 20% rally since I talked about them last time. They could have a bigger rally, all right? Uh, you know, it may be that um, the whole world's going to participate for once instead of just the U.S., so, you know, stay tuned. We, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, the funny thing is, is the international stocks were over-owned while the U.S. stocks went crazy. And now uh, people have been selling them and buying U.S. stocks a little bit late. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks or months, right? Uh, because I think the, the, uh, there will be a move in the international equities might be part of that inflation scare I talked about that I think might happen. Uh, in the meantime, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with the insiders. So stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. Thank you very much. Okay, we're back. Uh, once again, I'll mention 1 o'clock from now on on Saturdays, okay? So reset your dials. <laughs> Uh, the new year, it'll screw you up. But, uh, that's what new years are supposed to do. By the way, new year, go to WHK fourteen twenty AM. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. Go to my webpage; it's it's attached right there. And uh, let's sit down and have a conversation. Let's talk about your portfolio. Let's talk about you know have have you have you checked your life insurance li- lately? Term life has got cheap. I mean, I j- I just talked to a gentleman last week, and uh, we can get him a hundred thousand dollars more. For the same price right now, you know, and, and he, by the way, he's eight years older than when he took it out. Okay. This is term life now. Okay. So, uh, something to think about, but, uh, let, let's go over your portfolio. Let's review your stocks. Let's do a, a, you know, relative strength analysis on your stocks and then let's do a wealth plan. 
you know, it's really kind of cool because it's interactive. So you and I can be on the computer at the same time and 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 uh, be looking at the same thing and saying, you know, you're, you're saying I want to do this, and I'm saying, okay, this is how we do it. Okay. Uh, anyway, let's talk about insiders. Insiders know their business better than we do. And I thought it was interesting this week that the sell buy ratio, two weeks in a row now, uh, is by the way, it's calculated by dividing the total insider sales in, in a given week by the total number of uh, purchases. And usually it's like three to one, four to one. The adjusted rate ratio two weeks ago was 36.2, which is very positive. In other words, uh, insiders sold 36 times as much stock as they purchased. That sounds like a high number, but it isn't. The sell-buy ratio this week compares unfavorably with a ratio stood at 25.4. So the selling's up, and it's selling up. It's been two weeks in a row. So remember, we've been buying. We've had insider buyers for some time now, and they're starting to go away. All right, they're just starting to go away. So um, now I did. I did see. You know, even during the the Christmas break, I did see several big buys. And here's uh, Erstad uh, Biddle Properties, which is a, a REIT. And uh, it backed off its high at 25 And a director bought, came in and bought $660,000 worth. And he bought $668,000 worth two days later. So all it did, it backed off to 23 from 25 And he stepped up and bought it. It's got a really nice, uh, uh, really nice dividend on that one. Uh, and Kesava Sciences, which is a biotech company, Hit a new high at five, and the CEO bought 965,000 shares, okay, which is interesting. Now, here's an interesting one. Eastman Kodak, remember we talked about two guys, two directors that bought a bunch of stock. One bought $4.1 million, the other bought $8.2. Um, the chairman bought 400,000 shares from one of the guy that bought the 4.4. I'm sorry, he bought 4.2. 4.4. Um, he bought 400,000 shares from him, uh, which is interesting. After the stock made a... Dollar fifty or you know one hundred and ten percent move, uh, that's kind of interesting. Now, here's something that's really interesting. FedEx has just been getting beaten up, man. I'm telling you, you know these guys are one of the big winners in the tariff wars. If the tariffs go away, FedEx is going to be. You know they do a lot of business with China, do a lot of business overseas. If you know, so our people think that FedEx would be a good thing to hold if the tariffs go away. And a director bought $1.482 million. Now, remember, a lot of these guys, if you recall, were buying a 232 242 And then they bought a lot more at 180 So this is the first time anybody's bought in this 150 area. And it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if he's right. Because uh, that could be, I think FedEx has been you know, sold out. All right? So it'll be interesting to see. Now, here's another one. Neolucan Therapeutics. Now, this is interesting because... The Baker Brothers bought $25.477 million worth at a new, virtually a new high. The stock was $2 back in November. They paid $11.55 for it. And by the way, the CEO bought a million dollars worth at the same price. After he watched, it goes from two, by the way, it's been as high as 13 and a half. So it goes from two to thirteen and a half, pulls back to eleven uh, sixty-five. I'm sorry, and they, and they both buy. Interesting, huh? Very, very interesting. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, Neo Luke can do. I, I, um, I, I was watching it. I did not buy it uh, because it was below two bucks, and it went from two to five in like a day. So, uh, you know, you, you can't get them all. <laughs> anyway, um, look. I was looking at the charts and look, the rally continues and the, the stock market has been continuing this year in rally. And, and while it's technically overbought on, on several indicators, it has not shown signs of peaking yet. Okay. At least in my opinion. Anyway, I, I talked to Bob Dickey and he said the same thing. The sentiment has become much more bullish on a short term basis, which is normally after a rising period. And now it's at levels of bullishness that are commonly associated with short term peaks. So, It'll be interesting. A lot of people were in the wrong stocks this year, and they're trying to get in the right stocks. And it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, turn the corner and do that. Who knows? But um, look, uh, we are at the, you know, if we we go back to February and we we draw trend lines, 
we're up at the top end of the trend line. Now, this is on the short term. On longer term, there's a big trend line up, you know, uh, a couple hundred, uh, maybe four or 500 Dow points above here. So if we broke out of here, we could be going to the next level. Who knows? So uh, the, everybody's talking about it being overbought. I have. And I said we could have a time or a uh, price correction, and we're just not sure. Um, and, and we may be in a situation where we go to, you know, we go to the, the farther uptrend line. Who knows? Um, but, we, you know, if, if I look at the Dorsey Wright stuff, we are overbought. If I look at uh, our stuff, we're right at the top of the trend line. So you don't want to press your luck. <laughs> you just want to be making sure that you're paying attention. And once again, you know, gold, the trend on gold pulled back. It's now broken 1500 which is it's broken the short-term downtrend line. So now we have a series of higher lows. That's very, very impressive. Impression, uh, impressive, I'm sorry. The trend in gold is up from a year ago. Simple as that. With that, you know, they'll get more publicity and there'll be some renewed uh, interest. We had a 30% rally this summer, and we told you about it. You know, we, we sent letters out to people. Um, and a breakout of this type suggests that an uptrending period could be uh, also be measured in years. In years now. So we do not see gold as a hedge against world calamity or inflation or anything like that, but just as another security that moves in relation to supply and demand. So... This this could be a big move, and I I don't want to belittle it at all. So for those of you who don't own gold, uh, actually the gold stocks are cheaper than gold. Uh, I've read several reports about that, and our guy's uh, institutional. I think I think he he won the institutional American, or he's in the top three. Uh, so he knows who he's talking about, and he talked about gold stocks being cheaper than gold, and that's because there was no bid. You know that's that uptick rule. When there is no bid for a stock, they can short it into the ground, but also. You know, Intercellular, which uh, was a name that we liked at ten bucks, is now you know thirty five. By the way, so you don't want to buy it. But um, there was a lot of people short, and so you get big moves like that. I mean, look, it, it closed Friday at ten seventy five or something like that. It opened Monday at thirty nine. All right, so when you're short something like that, it's a dangerous situation to be in at this point. I think so. Uh, and once again, I want to emphasize a couple key themes here. S&P and the NASDAQ and the XLG are, are fairly overbought short-term. We have a Santa Claus rally or January effect, which is usually very small cap to micro cap in nature coming. Gold looks like it's ready to get up and go. Bonds, we don't want to buy yield when it's down this far. Okay, We want to buy yield when it's up. And then the final thing I want to talk about is the emerging markets. I'm starting to, I, I looked at several different emerging market ETFs. Most of them broke a downtrend line, then broke another downtrend line. They're headed up. Um, this could be really big. Now, the other thing is, you know, gold breaks out. Copper stopped right at its uptrend line, turned back up. Uh, I talked about, uh, sil- you know, silver's gone nuts. Uh, lumber has made this huge rounded bottom. And oil's right at a very important juncture. So if it were to break above, I think it's 62, 63 area, uh, gold could be off to the races for a while. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to break through there. There's a lot of resistance there, so we'll see what happens. But uh, it's at the high end of the range for the past six uh, months. But, you know, the breakout is, you know, it's, it's not, a, it doesn't happen until it happens, as simple as that. So just remember that. The retail stocks are still in that triangle pattern. Uh so if you look at that retail index, it's still neutral, but there could be a, a very constructive breakout here. A lot of people are starting to talk about some of the department stores. Boy, those names haven't been heard of in a long, long time. So if you're buying department stores, uh, that would help the retail sector here big. We'll see what's happening. Uh, so I, I just think it's it's a, a, a very interesting time. And so, look, I, I'm going to emphasize a couple things Um you know, start off the new year right and get the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, something to think about. Uh, global income ideas, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. These are all good for these people looking for dividends. They're out there. They're available to you. Um, we, we also have our global insight for the year. Global insights, uh, I think, is very, very important, um, but it's our, our 2020 investment stance. 
Uh, these are all available to you if you uh, just go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. Don't forget, we're on at 1 o'clock next week. 1 o'clock, okay? So we're changing times. By the way, you know, Peter Lynch was interviewed this week, and he talked about oil. He said this could be a great time to be buying oil. Uh, and they, they even asked him about the, the environmental, social, and governments uh, funds. And he said, well, that's all well and good, but we're, we're not going to be getting rid of oil uh, completely anytime soon. And so there, there are multiples that are very, very low. So we do have our global best oil ideas. Uh, available to you. So once again, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our top ideas, our global insight for 2020, our global income best ideas, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, and our best global oil ideas. That's a pretty good uh, setup there. So you, you're they're available to everyone. Um, in the meantime, don't forget, next week we're on at 1 o'clock. Uh, WHK is going to be advertising at big time. So we'll be on at 1 o'clock, 1 to 2, every Saturday. We'll have a couple bumps, and I think what we're going to do is be on Sunday uh, if we get bumped, uh, Sunday at 2 or something like that. Uh, allow you to uh, watch, the, watch the game with one eye and uh, uh, you know keep a headset on with your AM radio. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, 1 o'clock next weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember to buy low, sell high. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.